welcome to Literary Anything, our Marion Libraries podcast where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Jane. And I'm Paula. Hello. Podcast day. Yay. Yay. We've been excited and we weren't sure that we were going to make it this month. We had a backup date planned. Yes, because, because of me, <laughs> not because of Jane. Jane was a good girl and read the book. But tell us what time you finished it last night. 12.30 last night. I basically, I worked... Mm-hmm. Um, in the afternoon and then I came home and I basically read the book and did nothing else. Wow. It was like a nice six afternoon. hours of reading. Yeah. Good. But I got it done and here we are. We put every effort in. We do. We're reading, professionals. We? <laughs> Professional readers. <laughs> so shall we jump into this month's book? Let's do it. Which is After the Flood by Cassandra Montag. Montag. <laughs> and I'll read the blurb from the back. So it's 2130 and earth has long since been swallowed up by formidable flooding. In its wake, the monstrous deluge has left an archipelago of mountaintops surrounded by an expanse of unrelenting water. In this world live Myra and her young daughter Pearl. The sole purpose and driving force of Myra's existence is to protect Pearl while mourning the loss of her oldest daughter Roe, who was kidnapped during the terrifying surge. To keep their heads above the surface, Myra fishes from her small boat, gutting any man and taking on any obstacle that threatens their lives. When Myra discovers, after years of exhaustive searching, that Roe is not dead but being held captive by a violent gang, she embarks on a perilous voyage into the isolated northern seas to rescue her child. Heavy stuff. So, yeah. I'll give a little background. We talked a little bit last month about it. This was um, a big deal at the 2018 London Book Fair. So that was just a manuscript at that point in time and it got snapped up. And then at the same time, the um, filming rights were also bought at the same time, which is pretty rare. Usually, you know, a book comes out, producers think, oh, is this popular, whatever, and then they buy the by the rights, but this was bought before it was even published as a book. Mm. So um, there's been a fair bit of um, chat about this. Yeah, I put a an article up in the podcast group, and mm-hmm. do join our podcast group if you're not in it already, so you can see these sorts of things. Um, our Literary Anything Facebook podcast group about, um, oh, now her name's just completely gone out of my head, Australian actress... Um, Margot Robbie. Oh yes, um, being associated with this. Oh, didn't you see no, that? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, so she potentially oh. could be playing uh, Myra. Interesting. Mm. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, this is a debut novel as well, which also makes all of this really um, exciting. Mm. Um, Cassandra is American. She grew up in rural Nebraska and now lives in Omaha with her husband and two children. She's got a master's degree in English literature and she has written award-winning poetry and short fiction and appeared in journals and anthologies, including some of these names are so adorable. (laughs) Midwestern Gothic, Nebraska Poetry, Prairie Schooner Mm. and Mystery Weekly Magazine. Um, and like I said, this is her debut novel and it's going to be published, well, it will be published in um, over a dozen languages, which is also pretty impressive for a first novel. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump in. Yeah. Do what you want to start? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a little nervous about this book. Yes. Um, because it's, you know, a desperate sounding novel about, basically saving your children mm. and, and yeah. you've struggled with that in the past yeah this is nightmare <laughs> stuff for right me. but then you read the handmaid's tale and the testaments and, and felt then you could tackle it that horrific midwife book that i read a couple of months oh, ago oh that's right yeah i think that's um desensitized me mm. forever for everything <laughs> um but it was really i found this really um it wasn't hard to read but it was tense and mm. it was stressful um, as you would expect from the description. Mm. Um, took me a little while to get through it, but I was thinking it was one of those books that when I wasn't reading about it, it was kind of hovering in the back of my mind okay. about when can I next keep reading this book. Okay, because I found it, which is part of the reason why I was um, struggling to finish it at the end, mm. I found it hard to get into. Okay. Yeah. It's... um. I mean, the whole thing is pretty much set on the water. Yes. So to begin with, the first probably, 
don't know, fifth of the book, I'm like, this is like Waterworld, the movie, but not as terrible mm, <laughs> as Yeah, but it does feel quite exhausting, doesn't yeah. it? The constant yeah. being on the boat. Yes, mm. absolutely. It's very um, – is it dystopian? I guess it is, isn't yeah. it? It's dystopian yeah. um, or is it post-apocalyptic? It's yeah, probably maybe more post-apocalyptic really. Mm. Um, it's but a, does a, an apocalypse mean that – I sound really <laughs> stupid right now. But <laughs> if there's an apocalypse, does not mean that there's been a war? Or I think it's, it's, I think it's disaster or any sort of huge, okay. you know, disease wiped out humanity and now we are post where we are yeah yeah and that's definitely this there have been these floods i found um her description of the six-year flood and then the hundred-year flood i found that really confusing i didn't i couldn't wrap my head around the time frames i didn't mind that because it it was clearly um things that had happened over the past century Mm. you know because when is it 21 21 30 so 100 and what, 10 years in the future mm. from now. Um, I didn't mind those references to those things and I didn't feel like I needed more detail about it. Mm. I guess I was just confused. Why was it the six-year flood that was first and then the hundred year? I didn't understand I how they s- what was separating them. And Anyway, yes, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's just a minor <laughs> thing. Yep. Um, I found it fast-paced tense very very bleak mm. um it's not there's a, a theme of hope throughout the whole book mm. um and again I, we should say right up front spoilers we're gonna oh, talk awesome. about yeah yep. totally yep don't listen to this if you <laughs> haven't read it already and want to yeah <laughs> um yeah there's a theme of hope throughout the whole book which is good because that keeps you going mm. keeps you going with the book but I found it hard to be hopeful still, mm. especially at the end. Like, yeah. you know, they got to this northern – the valley. The the big aim is to get to the valley because um, Myra finds out that Roe, her abducted daughter, is there, there. Mm. Um, and possibly alive. Mm. Um, so this whole thing is getting to the valley, getting to the valley, which from what it um, seems is in like the – arctic circle kind of it like was a greenland north. yeah something Somewhere what else. was greenland right mm. um but i guess before we get to that because oh yeah, that's sure. right at the end yeah. um there were some things i found that the characters seemed to r- overreact or underreact to things oh. and i felt like there that it didn't ring true for me okay that was um, something that I found um, distracting. And also I found like because we are on the water all the mm. time and they're always getting wet. Yeah. And I felt like she never dealt with the fact that they were wet afterwards. Like, you know, they would get dragged up onto a boat yeah. after having been in the ocean. And they she didn't say anything like she was freezing cold or that her s- clothes were soaking wet or, uh, yeah. I think well, I I felt like they dealt with that a little bit when they moved into the colder weather about mm. how they're freezing because it sounds and I didn't quite know where they were. Mm. This is one of those books where I would have loved like a, a map. map at the beginning mm. of the book. That's true um, because it sounds like they were they started the book when they were down maybe South America. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the space. impression I had too. Yeah, yeah, so that they wouldn't have been. Would that have been, cold, it would but have been tropical, I guess. Yeah, but I still thought that when they were in the water, mm. and that was another situation where I felt like characters underreacted. When she, they ended, they they started off on Rose family boat, yeah, and then they get, they they run into a mountain, and the ship gets mm-hmm. um, destroyed, and yeah. they end up in the water on a raft, and the man that she ends up being. Um, <laughs> With Daniel and her um, daughter are on the raft and she can't be on the raft with them because it'll sink. It only has mm. enough um, room for the two. Very Titanic-esque. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a shark yeah. around the place. Yeah. And nobody seemed to be, I don't know, it just seemed like Do you that, think all that, that was happening and I didn't... It, it. Do you think that's um, 
telling of the the desperate times that they're in though right like these things just these, happen yeah do you think the underreaction might be because this is just we just have to survive we don't yeah. have time to react we don't have time to be worried about the shark we just have to get on i don't know i just think yeah i i see what you're saying about desperate times but i think if you're in the ocean with a shark and you've just got a knife in your hand and you're like don't worry i'm fine i've got a knife i can do with the like i don't know it just so what else is she gonna do <laughs> i don't know or maybe like after the fact be, be like, oh my god, be I can't believe, shot. yeah, or something. She's certainly the main. The protagonist is certainly. Um, I wouldn't say she's emotionless, but she certainly um, lacks the qualities that make us human now. Mm. But maybe that's again, maybe that's telling of the situation that they're in. Right, like Perhaps. she's a bit shut down from all the yeah. trauma that she's had to deal with. And I likened her character to maybe Sarah Connors in The Terminator. Oh, okay, right. Sort of seemingly emotionless but fiercely protective of her child and survival but at the same time not having the time to sit there and, you know, be worried yeah. that her child's got a bag of snakes. Yeah, that's a good... Um um comparison yeah. yeah yeah but i don't know i felt yeah i really didn't like her <laughs> no i wrote that too i don't did think, you write that i didn't think that really many of the characters were particularly likable no. at all and i said yeah i wrote that here too i said i think i hate everybody in this book including pearl <laughs> who's her daughter <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i didn't think yeah, I agree. I didn't think they were particularly likable, but I didn't mind that because I felt like that was appropriate for the context that they were in. Right. But, okay, so I've marked this one um, page where Pearl is speaking because this is – I found this – some of her um, dialogue, as I yes. said, to ri not ring true. Yes. And this, uh, how old is Pearl supposed to be? Is I she think like she's supposed to be Seven. seven. Yeah. Seven or eight. So she's seven. She's, she's little. catching these snakes and keeping them as pets. and Yeah. And I mean, I get it. And doing boat things. Boat like things. Putting sails up and. Yeah. She's yeah. had to grow up fast. Yeah. And I guess I can deal with that. But then at one point, um, she's petrified about um, ending up in the water. Mm. And that's understandable as well. And her mother's asking her if she's had a bad dream because she's kind of freaking out. And she, it says, Pearl's face pinched and reddened. We've been cursed and they will see it. The sea will take us. The sea will not rest, she wailed, covering her face with her handkerchief. I just thought that was so weird. What seven-year-old speaks like that? Yeah, no seven-year-old says the sea will not rest. Will not rest. Yeah, I found Pearl to be, and again, I gave it a bit of a pass because of the context in which, you know, she's this kid that grew up in this hideous time. Mm. Um, and in the shadow of her sister that's gone missing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the language and some of the phrases that she used were for Pearl were a bit, mm. Mm, don't know about that. Mm. <laughs> Particularly a child that has no um, learning or schooling or mm. limited literacy yes. ability and all that's of that. Right. Like, how does she know this stuff? Yeah, she's had other sorts of education just mm. having to deal with what she's dealt yeah. with but yeah yeah i just thought that language was really odd a bit odd yeah mm. i know i agree um so there was a whole host of characters on this boat so mm. you know it's to begin with it's pearl and myra and then daniel joins them and then mm. they join this bigger ship with um this whole crew mm. um i liked that we didn't have to get to know everybody mm. yeah because sometimes in these books, you know, when there's this, a cast of characters, you kind of, you know... There's Can't this, keep everyone straight. Yeah, mm. and, you know, Myra has to have, a like, a strong relationship with all of these characters. You have to get to know them all. But probably half of the the characters on this, this boat kind of remained as flat characters. Mm. Um, I didn't mind that. Mm, what did yeah. you think of not getting to know everybody? Um, yeah, that was okay with me mm. too. Um, yeah, it kept the storylines a little tighter, I think. I guess it did make me um, 
<laughs> then um, kind of be like, oh, who's that? Who's that guy again? And then I would forget that like Bahir. existed. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Or that Bahir was just a young person and that he was Marjan's son. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess the, the clear characters um, that came that were on that mm. boat with her were Abram, of course, yeah. and Marjan, because yeah. she had this kind of maternal quality to her. Yeah, yeah, and lent a, a bit of that humanness to the story that it lacked because yes. of Myra. Yes. Myra's lacking of lack of empathy and feeling, right. I guess. And what did you? How did you feel about her relationship with Abram? Oh, it was a bit gross. <laughs> I I just well, want to address. I feel like I have to address that <laughs> yeah, sex sure. scene. I yes, just felt that that sex scene was so awkward and yeah. cringy, <laughs> and the wording again was bizarre. And it just it had it lacked any passion, and it just seemed mm. to kind of be out of the blue. And it really it was one of the things that made me. I mean, I get it. She wants to get her daughter back and mm. she's going to do it by any means possible. But I just, the way she was very calculated and being like, I need to convince Abram to go to the valley and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to and nobody else is going to agree with me. So I'm going to go to his cabin and <laughs> cuddle up to him and see if I can change his mind. <laughs> <laughs> but if you compare that to the scene later in the book with Daniel, mm. do you think that that's... Um, I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it? That it's an emotionless, calculated sexual relationship to get what she wants. Right. Versus so with Daniel, who she clearly, well, I don't know if love thing. is too strong a word, but. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I yeah, she had feelings for Daniel. She didn't mm. have feelings for Abram. No. She used no. him. Yes. They had that cringy sexual encounter. Mm. Yeah. And, um. I didn't know that the time with the um, the scene with Daniel was that much better. It was just that the Abram one was just stood out to me. It's just oh, it's just oh, God. she wasn't a she wasn't a likable character. She's quite a fallible character. Mm. Um, and sometimes in these books, um, these sorts of um, post-apocalyptic books where it's a you know a case of survival and decision making mm. and if you make the wrong decision then this is going to happen mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of decision making that needs to happen in this book and I liked that some of her decisions were bad decisions right of course yeah because you would you make bad decisions yes. just in yeah, yeah sometimes, sometimes these books they always make the right decision and then it always yeah, works out in the end but I liked that there were decisions that were you know, detrimental mm, in some cases. Yeah. Mm. Um, and they just had to get on and move on from those bad decisions. So mm. that made made her unlikable because mm. she was making poor decisions about things. But I felt that made for a stronger story. Okay, yeah, move the plot along. Yeah. 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 And the, um, the other thing that I thought was weird was when she ends up getting together with Daniel mm. after she's completely used Abram. Yeah. And um, and then he, you know, finds out and gets angry at her. And mm. then she's obviously with Daniel later on and Abram doesn't seem to Nobody have any kind of anything. reaction to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody says anything. No. no. Yeah, that was a little, because given the type of character that Abram was, mm-hmm. you'd think that that would be an issue. Yeah, because he seemed quite volatile and he was a drunk and... Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, I feel, I'm sorry, I'm rubbishing all over this book and and (laughs) I am kind of, (laughs) I wanted, the other thing that annoyed me, sorry, speaking about language was the way she talked about her period. Oh, I can't remember that bit. She's always talking about, sorry if I'm going to gross everybody out, but yeah, I hadn't bled in. Yeah. And Rose going to have her first bleed. bleed. I I don't know anyone who talks like that. Maybe they do in Nebraska. Twenty-one thirty. Right. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe on we farm, regress on farm country where it's mostly animals. That's how they. Maybe we regress <laughs> in the future about <laughs> menstruation. <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> Nothing to be sorry about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is, uh, I just got to get it out. Yeah, go okay. Ahead. The other thing that annoyed me was another thing. Yes, it was 
repetitive. I found that a lot of her language there was there were here are the ones that I okay. picked out: biting your lower lip, mm-hmm. grabbing somebody under the arms or armpits. Oh yes, shoulders hunched up to your ears. Mm-hmm. Which what does that look like? <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> it's just um, yeah, that annoyed me. I also have never seen the word gunwale. Used oh right! So many times I had to Google what that was because I literally oh, right. thought, <laughs> I literally, <laughs> I reckon I didn't even I didn't look it up until almost the end of the book. I'm like, hang on, I think I've misunderstood what a gunwale was. I thought it was like some sort of cannon or something, right? That sits on the edge of the boat. I don't know. I don't boat, so I don't. Yeah, know no, neither do I. I. Don't. So I looked it up, but it's mm. actually the little the like. I'm doing it with my hands the mm-hmm. side of the boat, and then there's like a little ledge. Okay, that and that's l- where the guns. The le- no, no, the oh. ledge bit is the gunwale. Oh, it's got nothing to do with guns or whales. But <laughs> 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 well, I can forgive her using the word gunwale a lot because she's on a boat. She's on a boat. Yeah, oh, I can't oh, even say boat. It's <laughs> a very Canadian way to say that's boat. A boot. <laughs> she's on a boot. <laughs> Yes, um, I did. Yeah. I'm assuming that all of those boating references were legit. Yeah, I yeah it sounded it legit. Sounded legit to me, and all the fishing stuff yeah. as well. She's. I like the de- you know I like the detail in these sorts of books. You do, yeah. So that you I liked hearing about all the gutting of the fish. Didn't bother me. No, no, it didn't bother me either. <laughs> that was fair enough. Well, yeah, they're hungry. Um, <laughs> here's a question for you. Okay, and so I have the one be- for you after. Yeah, go on. At the beginning of the book. Mm. Her um, husband, partner, Jacob, mm. um, abducts Roe mm. while she's four months pregnant with Pearl. Yes. Um, takes and leaves. Do you think he was right to do that? Oh, look at what I have. <laughs> look at the question I have for you. What do you think about Jacob and that he took <laughs> off with Roe? <laughs> we should compare notes before we start recording. <laughs> no, it's good. It's funny. <laughs> so what do you think? Do you um, think he did the right thing? Do you think he was justified or not? Um, completely not. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was another thing where I just felt like that just seemed completely bizarre to me. Mm. And for most of the book, I felt like, is she ever going to address the fact that Jacob's taken off with, not that Jacob's taken off with Roe, obviously you mm. know that right from the beginning, but it just seemed to be left there as a thing that's happened, but with no explanation for a really long time. Yeah. Which I guess I'm sure was intentional on her mm-hmm. um, part to use it yeah. as a plot, you know, thing. But um, I just and then, you know, eventually she talks about the fact that Jacob had talked to her about leaving yeah. sooner and and all of that. Um, and she kind of goes around initially being completely angry with him. But then it seems like towards the end, she's accepting some more responsibility about the fact that she never um, sort of addressed or yeah. talked to Jacob about that. But I still found it unbelievable that he would just grab the daughter and run. Yeah. I felt like that to begin with. But then throughout the book, there's a fair bit of, um, and Pearl says it several times through the book, that Mara or mum, you don't listen to me. Mm, yes. And then at the end, Jacob reiterates that yes. when he eventually, she eventually finds him. Um, that you never listened to me. And I wonder if, you know, he was justified in some way mm. because he didn't think that Myra would make the right decisions going forward and mm. maybe he she was the sacrificial lamb to... But, and his other daughter too, though. Well, she wasn't born yet. Yeah, but still. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know her. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought it seemed... Maybe um, she was... I mean, and that does say it in the book somewhere there, you know, that she was, you know, potentially going to be a huge burden, which she would be. Right. You know, fleeing flood and all of that being six months pregnant. Mm. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was heartless and horrible. Yeah. I mean, I get... Yeah, she said he was scared and and that he was the sort of person to just... Run for it. Run, yeah, when he was scared. Yeah, that's true. It mm. certainly wasn't as cut and cut and dry as um, as it know, initially seemed. Yeah, yeah. Jacob's bad and Myra's 
the wronged party here. I think yes. everybody was wronged mm. in some capacity. Mm. And what did you think about when she finally does find um, Jacob and Roe is already dead already dead and not that long dead yeah, like four days or something mm. she missed it by mm. um i was sad mm. i was sad because you know me i always like a nice ending yeah but um i think i would have been disappointed if she'd found her really as well. yeah i think it wouldn't it wouldn't have um done the story any justice if she had rocked up found roe knocked Jacob off <laughs> and lived happy, happily ever after. I don't think that would have um, – It's not that kind of book. No. Mm. So I think she I – yeah, it was sad but I think appropriate. Right. What did you think? I was annoyed. You wanted her to be alive? I wanted her to be alive. Yeah. Or or if the, she if she wasn't alive, the fact that she just missed her by yeah. four days, I feel that's like shitty. that's yeah. – Yeah, that's right. Don't do that to us. Cassandra, come on. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, like I could kind of imagine it if she had been chasing this daughter who had been dead, like, yeah. you know, years and years before. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't I didn't like that. It would have been nice to have found her, but, yeah, I, mm. I was okay with it, really. Right. Um, I thought the whole meeting with Jacob was a bit anticlimactic. Right. I wanted a bit more from that, but right. I also – don't know what else could have happened really mm. i don't know what you think but i can see a sequel coming in the next year or two yeah well if it's had such a big reaction in the tv mm. is it tv or movie i think it's tv yeah i think it's a series yeah i can see the next stage of the story because it's kind of left you know they're at this valley place there's hardly anybody left they've killed the um guards that were left there at the colony yeah um but they're expecting the i don't know what the, the raiders back yes anytime mm. so they've got a couple of people from the um the ship there's four of them yeah and then whoever's left at the colony that didn't die from the um disease yeah um but they've got to protect this colony now yeah you're right the raiders when they come back so i can see the next stage of being that storyline. Yeah, that you're Rebuilding right. this community and defending it against... Um, the Raiders. The Raiders when they come back again. Mm, That's yeah. my instinct anyway. Yeah, and I think that would be something people would be yeah. interested would in. Would you read it? No, I really did not like this book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're getting that picture. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't... Um, Probably, we probably, knowing what we know about it being a sensation at the book fair and all of that, it probably wasn't as good as what I was expecting or hoping it to be. Right. And given that people are raving about it, um, I think we put it up here when really it's not quite that amazing. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I mean, that you, you can't help it when things are hyped no. that, no. you know, yeah, you get your hopes up and I guess to be fair to this book I feel like I'm a bit done with dystopian we've done a bit of it lately mm, so that's not that's not the fault of, of no. this book it's just yeah um let's have some happy times <laughs> <laughs> but but also I really didn't like the writing I felt I felt like it just didn't didn't stand up it's you know when you read a book and you just um disappear into it you just mm. sink into the world and mm -hmm. you're immersed in that and yeah. i that never happened i was always thinking about the writer writing it oh really yeah oh, okay. yeah but you're a writer as well you're into the words yeah which, you know we all should be <laughs> as readers because we're reading them but no i know what you mean yeah. yeah once once you start writing and then you you can't help but see yeah when writer unless it's really masterfully done and that's mm. when i feel like yeah um, obviously You're this is a it. brilliant book because yeah you forget everything else and you just sink into the story and i yeah i that didn't happen for me with this and i mm. i felt annoyed <laughs> <laughs> um i think it some people are calling it literary i probably wouldn't put it in the literary basket yeah i um, feel like pe i guess people's 
perceptions of what is literary is largely, you know, it's a it's a subjective thing, isn't it? Yeah. I liked it. It was a pretty easy read. Mm. It was bleak. It was mm. desperate and it was um, stressful to read. Um, but I'm glad I read it. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to because we were Cause recording we're doing about this, it today. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you thought. Yeah. Are you opinions. on Team Jane or Team Paula? Mm, that'll be telling, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jane has read a heap, a heap of books this month. I cannot get over it. I know. I'm not even going to talk about them all. No, you can't. We don't have time. It'd be a two-hour-long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so she's picking out her faves. Do you want me to start? Sure. Okay. Um, the first one is called Body Tourist by Jane Rogers. This comes out this month in November. Um, so I was lucky to get a proof copy of this one. It's a, a Shet book, I think. I can't see. Yes, I think it's an Shet book. Um, this is speculative fiction. Um, so another, I don't know, of that persuasion yeah. type of book. Mm. Um, I will read the back. It's very short. When the rich die, their minds are stored digitally. Pioneering research permits these digital minds to be inserted into the sleeping bodies of young volunteers. The old can enjoy all the delicious sensations of life again. They can buy youth, but at what cost? Mm, what a great premise. Yeah, it is a great premise. It's kind um, of a Westworldy. Did you watch Westworld? Oh, I started it, but yeah. It's kind of got Too that much. sort of a... I likened it. it a bit to Black Mirror. Ah. It's a little bit of that persuasion. It might be because it's English as well. Mm. Um, so if you like Black Mirror, you'll probably like this. Um, it's a really great premise. Mm. It's not perfectly executed, um, but it's a really quick read for fans of Specfic, mm. which I am generally. Okay. Um, so you liked it? Yeah, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Okay. I wanted to love it. It was just the writing was a bit – I wanted more from it. It wasn't um, in-depth enough uh. into the story. I wanted to know more about it. But, yeah, it was cool. Did My they have sex scenes that were as cringy as After the Flood or was it better than that? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> oh. There were well, then they couldn't sex have been scenes, but they weren't – they didn't make me cringe. Okay. Or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, I might be the last human alive to have not read a Philippa Gregory book. I haven't read a Philippa Gregory okay, book. Okay, I'm the second to <laughs> second last. last. <laughs> <laughs> I, she had a book come out in um, August called Tidelands. Um, it's the beginning of a new series. Mm. Um, so this new series is going to follow um, many generations of the same family from poverty to prosperity. So obviously this starts at poverty. Um set in England in 1648. Um, it's got it's – a, it's a fairly big book and mm. it's very detailed. I really like historical fiction and I really liked her – this book and I, I did read another Philippa Gregory this month as well, which I won't bother talking about. But um, it's – the thing I don't like about historical fiction is the gag factor – with the romance in historical fiction. It's just so... (laughs) But this doesn't have that. Okay. It's There's a little bit of it, but it's not gaggy or over the top. I want romance, but just... You can do romance without it being gaggy. I mean, 1648, there's, you know, what romance is there going to be? (laughs) Realistically. (laughs) I've got no idea. So I really like this. It's pretty heavy going as far it's very political as well there's a lot of it's set in like i said in 1648 at the time of the civil war between the king and the rebellious parliament Mm. um so there's a lot of political talk a lot of you know the king is you know making this decision about this and this you know advancement from this area and they're fighting here and whatever all accurate Oh, okay. Heavily researched. Oh, I see. So I think people who know Philippa Gregory know this about her. Her books are incredibly well researched. And I even looked up some of the names of the people that she's referencing and the places. It's all legit. Oh, wow. Stuff that happened. I feel like, is it kind of Ken Follett, um, Pillars of the Earth sort of thing? I haven't read Pillars of the Earth. Okay. 
Yeah, it seems similar. Yeah. Mm. Um, So for the first – usually she writes about um, significant women in the past, but this one she's deliberately written about the sort of ordinary woman of the time. Mm. So it goes into a lot of detail about their their day-to-day lives, you know, like I said before, I like Mm. a bit of detail. (laughs) Um, So I really appreciated that and I'll – whenever the next one comes out, I'll definitely – read that it's a bit it can be a bit slow at times and it definitely will not be for everyone it'll be just too boring for lots of people but for um, fans of historical fiction it sounds oh get on it yeah it's awesome mm. i really liked it all right cool. you go okay um so um. i listened to um beloved by tony morrison um of course tony morrison died recently was it couple months ago yeah yeah and I had never read any Toni Morrison um despite loving Oprah and Oprah loving Toni Morrison (laughs) um and coincidentally um Brett my partner had just read The Bluest Eye um which was another of her award-winning um novels and he really um got a lot from it so I thought okay and um Barack Obama had put out his summer reading list and Toni Morrison was on there so yeah I felt (laughs) like okay I gotta I gotta um read some Toni Morrison and I actually listened to this one on audiobook and it's read by Toni Morrison and her voice is just so beautiful it was lovely to listen to um and so Beloved is um I didn't actually know anything about this book before I started listening to it and I in retrospect wish that I had kind of looked for a little bit more about it because it's actually um considered American Gothic and there are aspects of horror and magical realism in it, which I was completely not expecting. I mean, I guess yeah, I, I don't really know that much about Toni Morrison, and um, but when you see her face and you think of her, horror is not what springs to mind. No, not right? at all. Yeah. No. Um, so this is the story of Setha, who is an escaped slave. Um, she escapes to Cincinnati, Ohio, and she's living in this house in the mid 1800s um, with her daughter and the ghost of her dead baby haunts the house Um, and so it's much to do with slavery it's really graphic and um, really horrible things happen Um, and it's also it's extremely confusing Um, there are a lot just lots of time where you're going along feeling, or at least I felt like had no idea what was going on. The payoff is that as you stick with it later, you begin to realize and things start to fall into place. And um, this is extremely literary. I would say maybe too literary for me, or maybe I should have read the book um, because it was hard going with listening to the audiobook, not being able to stop and go back and read again and think, what what was that that I just read? Um, so maybe not an ideal one to listen to on audiobook, except for the fact that Toni Morrison's voice is so great. Um, so it, and the other thing I didn't realize about it is that it, it's based on the real life of a woman um, called Margaret Garner, um, who you know, had the same experience as the, as the protagonist in this book who, yeah, was a slave, escaped with her children, and then the slave owners come back to claim her and what she does in that instance. Um, so, yeah, definitely not for everyone. She won the um, Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in for 1988 for this wow. novel and also the National Book Award and then... Um, quite infamously, Oprah developed it into a movie in 1998 and it was a bit of a flop. I was going to say, I didn't know that that was a movie. Mm, Yeah, with her and Danny Glover. Right. Yeah, I think it would just be so hard to make a movie out of that. It's just so... Sounds horrific. It's horrific and it's very, it jumps back and forth and Mm. time a lot, which um, is also can be quite confusing. So, um, yeah. By the brilliant Toni Morrison, maybe too much for me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. But mm. Mm. do you want to do another one? Um, sure. I'll quickly talk about. I just went deep into literary fiction this month, apparently, <laughs> uh, because the other one that I thought I would tackle is *Surfacing* by Margaret Atwood. Mm-hmm. Um, despite loving Margaret Atwood and 
um, you know, because as I've said, she's a Canadian literary icon. She's a champion for libraries. I have to love her. But I haven't read like that many of her books. And I'd never read Surfacing, which was her second novel that came out in 1972. Um, That's and a it, horrible cover. Isn't it? But I feel like it um, It does represent the book, sort of. The cover that of this one is just a door <laughs> of a cabin. <laughs> Anyway, it's about a woman who (laughs) returns to this remote island in Quebec, in Canada, where she grew up with her parents. She goes back there with her boyfriend and another couple because her father's gone missing. And I'd seen it described as part detective novel and part psychological thriller. And I feel like that's completely deceiving. If you're after something that's a detective novel or a psychological thriller, you're not going to be anticipating this. Again, super literary there are uh, parts of it where it's, um, you know, almost poetry. Mm. Um, you know, the language is beautiful, but it's depressing. It's hard going. It's another <laughs> one where none of the characters are likable. You just hate everyone. <laughs> and again, trying to make sense of what's, what's happening. Um, it includes themes of feminism, of course, being Atwood, mm-hmm. and um, Canadian nationalism. Um, yeah, if you're again into literary fiction and you know wanting to ponder the different layers of themes and things that are going on in this work um yeah maybe but <laughs> i found both of these books extremely hard going and maybe the re- like reading those and then reading after the flood maybe that's part of yeah. what annoyed me but after the flood it just seemed really light or well, after, amateurish after Margaret Atwood and Toni Morrison. Yeah, I mean, that's not fair, is it? It's her debut novel. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Cassandra Montague. <laughs> I liked it. Um, yeah, do that one. <laughs> do that one. I read the arrangement by Robin Harding. Uh, this came out in September this year. It's the author of The Party and Her Pretty Face. Um, Touted it as, as a bit of a Leon Moriarty uh-huh. type of an author. Popular fiction with a bit of suspense and thriller. That's generally her style. I read The Party when that came out, whenever that was, last year. And I really liked it. Um, I just couldn't stand this book. <gasps> it was just... It's about Natalie. She's a broke art student. To make ends meet, she decides to become a sugar baby. Oh. She meets Gabe, her first sugar daddy, through, you know, like an app, like a Tinder-style app but mm. for sugar babies. <laughs> yeah, that sort of relationship. Mm. And then she quickly falls in love. They come to an arrangement where he des- they decide to be kind of exclusive with each other. He finances her apartment, buys her gifts, you know, the whole cliche. Mm. Um The characters are just so unlikable. (laughs) There's no chemistry between the two of them. It's just full of cliches. I actually um, skipped whole chunks of it just to get to the end, to finish it, to see what happens. Mm. Um, Lots of people liked this book. I read some reviews on Good Reading. Lots of people liked this book. Look, this is not literary fiction and Mm. it's not trying to be. This is light beach read type chicklet chicklet type stuff mm. even though i hate that right sorry that i know you term. hate that <laughs> <laughs> um so i can see lots of people picking this up and liking it but it's just so cliche mm. isn't good it can no. be light and chicklet but it doesn't have to be cliche it's an okay um premise mm. um and i'm generally okay with these sorts of and i'm putting it inverted quote in trashy sort of um reads Mm. but it was just so poorly executed Mm. and just so average um so yeah that was disappointing because i Mm. i think i started this after all those hideous dystopian (laughs) things i read last month right i'll pick this up this will just be a nice nothing popcorn Mm. read Mm. and Mm. it yeah it was not good (laughs) have you got anything else um no that was it for me do you have another one for this month i do one more that i read um called Witches, What Women Do Together by Sam George Allen. This came out in March this year and I've had it sitting on my shelf at home and finally got around to reading it. And I will just preface this before I talk about it by saying we were talking earlier about 
themes in reading. And I think this month and probably it will go into next month, I've got a bit of a witchy theme happening. Mm. Both Philippa Gregory books I read had a bit of a um, um, witchy Mm. foray yes into the wiccan yes <laughs> little thread through the storylines and this one has a chapter on like actual witches but it's not about witches it's non-fiction <laughs> yeah, that's what i was just gonna yeah. ask okay right <laughs> um so it's which is what women do together a celebration of the power and pleasure of working with other women mm. um I really liked this. Oh. It was really easy to read. It's a con- consolidation of um, thoughtful essays about a variety of women's experiences, in particular uh, groups of women and the beauty of working together. So she talks to nuns, sportswomen, dancers, teenagers, midwives, farmers, bands, um, and by farmers and bands, it's women farmers mm. and girl bands, mm. another term I don't really like, mm. but another um, – so each chapter is um, based on each of those just different um, ways that women work together, mm. I guess. It's a really um, positive and optimistic read. Mm. Um, the author's – she's young. She's younger than us, I would say. She's a little bit younger than us. Mm. Um, insightful, intelligent in her approach to the to the essays and really easy to read. And it was really – it was a bit – Sort of, you know, fist pump bit. Yay. Yay us. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I want to read that one. In fact, I had that on hold and I got it and I just had to put it back because I had too much to read. Well, the good news is, mm. this might appeal to you, it's on Libby as an e-audiobook. Oh, so you could oh listen I can listen to, to it. it. Perfect. So that's how I get so much read. I read a real book and then I also listen to an audiobook at the same time not yes. literally the same time like in the car As i'll well. listen yeah, and then yeah. at home i'll read same not you know headphones on and reading that's crazy <laughs> i have some literary gossip um that i thought i might mention have you ever read the book the mother-in-law by sally hepworth no but that cover appeals to me and i've picked it up lots of times to uh-huh. read it but i've never actually read it well, I just um, – I don't have very much information on this, but um, Amy Poehler is set to be an executive producer Ooh. on the um, TV series of that book. Cool. Um, it, I think it's going to be on Netflix. Um, yeah, but Sally Hepworth is an Australian writer and she lives in Melbourne mm-hmm. and I just thought I'd mention Great. that because that's good news for her, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. Mm-hmm. And then – now – did you hear about this um, with um, – oh, no, that's not the one I meant to grab. This one, Naomi Wolf. Do you like Naomi Wolf? Mm. No? I like Naomi Wolf. <laughs> and I felt sad for her when this happened because she um, has a new book called Outrages, Sex, Censorship, and the Criminalization of Love. Um, it was based on a PhD thesis that she wrote in 2015, and so she was set to – I think she did actually launch the book, but then she was on a, a, I don't know if it's a radio or TV program called the Free Thinking Program, and the presenter basically sort of outed her on the show that um, some of her research was incorrect. So oh. she had based um, a lot of the yes, book on the I fact yeah. yeah, that these men in the UK had been executed um, for being gay in the Victorian mm. era. And she based that on... Um, on um, uh, research that said, um, quote, the boy was indicted for an unnatural offense, guilty, death recorded. But what the journalist pointed out to her in the middle of her show was that death recorded doesn't actually mean that they put them to death. It was um, it was a category that they created that allowed judges to abstain from pronouncing a death sentence. But you could see how that would be confusing and how but unfortunately yeah it's really awful that her book is based upon um several cases of um her assuming that these men had been put to death when yeah they actually hadn't and so um they've uh, the book still is on sale in the uk but apparently they've pulled it in the states so yeah years of work yeah i just felt it was a bit 
you know let's try and catch her yeah, out kind of thing. Not instead of kind of talking to her about it. I don't know. It yeah. seemed a bit mean to me, but anyway, I guess a bit sensationalist. Yes, yeah, sensationalist. And yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Any other literary news? Um I don't know if we want to talk about this was last month that this was in the news. Um, did you read The Tattooist of Auschwitz? It was no, really popular. Everyone's read it though. Everyone's read it, yeah. yeah. And then Silka's Journey yes. is the follow-up book that's come out. But now um, the author is coming under um, scrutiny, I guess you could say, because um, you know some people are questioning the accuracy of her book and also the fact that Silka, um, who died in... She died in 2004, I think it said, um, but that she didn't necessarily want her um, story to be public. Mm. So that was a bit of news too. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate because, yeah, The Tattooist of Auschwitz was a really interesting book. Yeah, I think Silka's Journey, that only has just come out. Yeah, it's just come out. Um, And it's already really popular. Lots Mm -hmm. of people are excited to read Mm -hmm. that. That's by Heather Morris. Mm. Yep, Heather Morris. Shall I talk about what's coming out? Please. Okay, so November has got quite a bit of stuff um, quite a few books coming out. Um, I'll just whip through them. Um, this one I actually have already and I've already started. I'm about halfway through. Um, so I'll review it properly next month, but it's called Your Own Kind of Girl by Claire Bowditch. I don't know if you know her. She's a musician. Oh, the name's familiar. I don't really know her music at all. So I'm not reading this because I'm a fan, but the book sounded quite good and lots of reviews are saying that it's really a wonderful memoir. Um, oh, it's a memoir. Yeah. Um, and it's not a memoir of her m- music because she's not, I mean, she's not Madonna or anything. Mm. She's not, you know, um, so it's just about her life. Um, Your Own Kind of Girl reveals a childhood punctuated by grief, anxiety and compulsion and tells how these forces shaped Claire's life for better and for worse. This is a heartbreaking, wise and at times playful memoir. Claire's only own story, told raw as it happened, a reminder that even in the darkest of nights, victory is closer than it seems. So she's a um, songwriter as well. And is she, she Australian? She's or? Australian. Oh, okay. Um, she's well known for writing really um, beautiful story-like mm. songs. Um, so the writing is really lovely mm. already. It's very engaging. So I'm about halfway through it and only started it on like Saturday afternoon. So oh, wow. It's quick read as well so that's coming out um in november mm-hmm. and you know how before i said i'm on a bit of a witchy yes phase well this is another one that i'm really looking forward to reading it's called impossible causes by julie mayhew this comes out on november the 5th in this brilliantly dark thriller about isolated communities rumors and suspicion a deeply religious island with a history of paganism is riven when a man is found dead in a circle of stones as rumours spread and tensions rise, three lark teenage, teenage girls and a new arrival from the mainland find themselves accused of witchcraft and murder. Eerie and menacing, timely and moving, Impossible Causes is an unput- unputdownable thriller that examines the consequences of silence kept at a young woman's expense. Mm, is that contemporary? Is that set in? Yes, Yeah, it is. right. Yeah. Mm, and that sounds good. I like the cover too. Oh, it's a braid. Yeah. Mm, maybe we can do a book face with that with Suman. Yes. <laughs> it's a great idea. Always looking out for a book face. Yeah, good one. Mm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Now. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I just glanced at what uh, Jane is about to talk about. Um, Christos um, Selkus has got Damascus coming out. Um, He wrote The Slap, which is one of my most favourite books Mm. ever. Um, He writes big, epic literary books. Um, Have you read any of his books? I started to listen to Barracuda. Yeah. And um, I ran out of time with it. Yeah, mm. I tried to – I started Barracuda, but I couldn't really get into it. I don't Mm. think I was in the right space for it. Yeah. Yeah. Damascus is a work of soaring ambition and achievement, of immense power and epic scope, taking as its subject nothing less than the events surrounding the birth and establishment of the Christian church. So fairly mm, weighty. Topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Damascus, this is a masterpiece of imagination and transformation, a historical novel of immense power and, unfl- and an unflinching dissection of doubt and faith, 
tyranny and revulsion and cruelty and sacrifice. Wow, that does sound very heavy. I don't know that I'll read this, Mm. but fans of his work will probably really like this. Mm. I've seen um, how big it is as well. It's massive. Right. It sounds sounds important. Yeah. Mm. Um, Another one, Acid for the Children by an autobiography of – Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ah. So that comes out on November the 5th as well. I think this is his first book, mm. I think. Um, there will be heaps of people after this book. Um, Scar Tissue by Anthony, Anthony Kiedis was really well received. And that's, I don't know, that's 10 years old oh, now. Oh, okay. Um, so everybody, whenever people talk about um, – Musicians' autobiographies, that's always one on the list of the good ones. Oh, I didn't know that. Have you read it? No. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast for Jane and Paula say they haven't read books. <laughs> um, but my husband's read it okay. and he doesn't read very much. Right. So if he's read it and loved it, then that's, <laughs> that's <a tip>. saying something. <laughs> um, so for fans of that book, fans of um, the Chili Peppers, they'll be all over this book. Mm. And another book called <laughs> The Witches Are Coming. Oh, you really do have a theme this month. Um, this is by Lindy West. Now, this is very American-focused. This comes out um, November, of course. Oh, Lindy West. Wasn't she at Writer's Week Was last she? year? Is she the a big blonde? I don't know. Outspoken? Oh, anyway, go She's, on. Uh, she wrote Shrill. Yes, that's her. That's yeah, her. She was at Writer's Week. There you go. Mm. Um which Shrill has now been turned into a TV series, which is getting <gasps> really good reviews right. as well, um, with A.D. Bryant from Saturday Night Live. Looks, I can't I haven't seen it, is. but it, I've seen snips of it and it looks really funny and really good. Mm. Um, the tagline on this is, a brilliant and incisive look at how patriarchy, intolerance and misogyny have conquered not just politics but American culture itself. So it's obviously very American, um, but again, as all things American are, they tend to be... Um, interesting for everyone yeah and there'd be elements of it that we could relate to here certainly yeah Yeah. so i've seen this um obviously this comes out um in november but i've seen advanced copies on people reading on instagram so it's getting around at the moment so it's very topical as you said um so if you're into that sort of thing that Mm. might be yours as well Mm. but obviously because it said witches i was drawn to it (laughs) I'll be onto something. Oh, and lastly, I guess it's going to be Halloween soon. That's true. Ah, maybe that's why. <laughs> um, lastly, Tara Moss has got a new book coming out. Um, it's a new mystery series set in the 1940s in Sydney. I've never read any Tara Moss. <laughs> Me obviously, neither. of course, we haven't. Um, <laughs> but people love her books, and she writes really good um, crime and mystery. So this mm. um, looks kind of cool. Cool. I probably won't read it because I'm not really a crime mystery reader, but sometimes I sometimes can get into that. Yeah, I mean, it's anything done well is yeah good to read, isn't it? Yeah, doesn't matter what the genre when it's done well. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Jane's not not agreeing with me. <laughs> so next month, Paul is going to do the honors. Yes, our book for next month. Ready? Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> It's called Talking to Strangers, What We Should Know About the People We Don't Know by Malcolm Gladwell. And I was a bit, um, I didn't know how Jane would feel about me suggesting this one, that I suggested this one, (laughs) um, because it's another Canadian and I, you know, I'm not like trying to just like push Canadian whatever's on (laughs) Australian (laughs) library podcast but it was um he was on Oprah talking about this book and it sounded really fascinating so I'll just read you the back um the routine traffic stops that ends in tragedy the spy who spends years undetected at the highest levels of the pentagon the false conviction of Amanda Knox why do we so often get other people wrong through a series of encounters and misunderstandings from history psychological psychology and infamous legal cases, Malcolm Gladwell takes on an intellectual adventure into the darker side of human nature where strangers are never simple and misreading them can have disastrous consequences. I'm really excited about this. It's nonfiction, definitely taking us away from our dystopian dive that we've taken um, recently. And I mean, um, it doesn't sound like a happy book. 
No, but, but it'll be really interesting. It'll be interesting. I I'm a fan of Malcolm Gladwell and his um he does this podcast called Revisionist History and I love how he just deep dives into things and mm. really unpicks um you know why things are the way they are and how they happened yeah. and I love a book that folds into that sociology mm. kind of commentary. Yes. genre. Yes. That's this one. So pick it up. Yep. Read the library. Yep. yep. And yeah chat about it next month sounds good okay thanks jane Of what of you're reading, kind of what I'm into, right? And this month and next month, I should save this. Yeah, save it, save it. Shut up, Jane. <laughs> okay, not shut up. Just pause and Shh, Jane. keep the good stuff for later.